so we we were away this past week. We were um, camping on um, on uh, the ocean out in Shinnecock, and um, thankfully we we sidestepped a big storm. Right, that we thank the Lord for that. And then Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday and Friday, it was like the Caribbean out there. It was amazing. We saw we saw whales jumping. Never saw that before. Whale jumped out of the water, and as his mouth is open, I see fish jumping out. And we saw. I mean, it was like I felt like I was in a National Geographic scene. It was incredible. Dolphins all over. It was like. Like amazing, and then yesterday the winds blew in, and, and it was like we went from Caribbean to chaos in, in 24 hours. And those of you who are used to the water, you know how quickly that can turn. And so, uh, but it's interesting, it kind of reminds me of a, of a time I was 15 years old, my son's age, I can't believe this. I, I'm 15 years old, and um, my friends and I decide that we're going to go fishing. And we decide we, we go and we rent one of those little rowboats with an engine on it. You remember those silly lily out there, right? So so we go out to we decide we're gonna go fishing over at the north shore of Long Island and we're gonna rent this boat. And, and it was one of those days that was it was very overcast and, and certainly there was a storm on the horizon. And my friends are looking at me, the leader, right? And they're like, hey, so are you sure this is safe? And I'm like, yeah, it's safe. Are you kidding? Do you know how many times? I've been a boat. I'm 15 years old. I mean, I've got, we've got nothing to worry about because when you're 15, you don't worry about anything, right? And so I, I convinced them that it's safe and it's good, good. And you got Gilligan at the helm over here. So we're going to be just fine on this three-hour tour, right? And so we head on out. Very interesting. I'm sorry, Mom. This might be the first time you're hearing this, this story. Um, so to the dismay, dismay and even the hesitation of the staff over at Silly Lily, over on the North Shore over there. We rent this, this little boat and they were kind of concerned about renting this to us, but I assured them that this guy has a long history out in the seas, right? And so for reasons beyond me, they actually believed me and they let us rent this boat. And, and I told my friends who clearly were like, pale and concerned. Guys, you get nothing to worry about. I've got it under control. And everything was great for like the first 30 minutes. Just enough to kind of get out of the, the harbor area. Now we're into the, it, we're out onto the North Shore and the winds start blowing, right? And the waves start pounding on the boat and now water is getting into this little silly lily boat that was a rowboat with an engine on it my friends are freaking out Willie who had to eat the, the ham sandwich in the morning is now chumming the water and in the boat and out of the boat and we're getting really we are like tossed to and fro all over the north shore and it was like and I'm thinking to myself hey maybe this wasn't a great idea and we are far away from the shore and so we're doing everything we can to kind of find a safe harbor and, and Willie's puking and, 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 and we're just doing, it's just a messy situation and water is getting into the boat and we're, we're bowing the boat out as quick as we can and finally we get over to the shore. <sighs> a place of safety. I mean, what, 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 what could have been a really disastrous situation thankfully turned out to be nothing more than a story that we laugh about years later. Needless to say, I lost a lot of credibility uh, with my friends that day, um, and uh, they didn't believe me when I told them things would be okay. Um, today, I want to talk to you about a day that Jesus 
took his friends out on a boat ride in Mark chapter four. If you have your Bibles, let's turn there together. Thankfully, the story has a little bit of a different ending than mine did. The title of my message is this, when water gets into your boat. When water gets into your boat. We bailed a lot of water out of our boat that day in order to survive. When water gets into your boat. Mark chapter four, we're gonna pick up verse 35. On that day, when evening had come, Jesus said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And the other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. And so he was in the stern, Jesus, look, asleep on the cushion. And they awoke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke, and he rebuked the wind and the sea, and said to the sea, peace, be still. I love that. Peace be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. I like that. Verse 37 says there was a great storm. And now we see in verse 39, there was a great calm. And he said to them, his disciples, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this? that even the wind and the sea obey him. Wow, wouldn't it have been amazing to be on the boat with Jesus and his disciples that day? What an awesome scene in the life of Jesus and his disciples. This morning I wanna zoom in a little closer to this story and, and see what we can learn from this, perhaps considering it through the lens of the disciples how they saw this, and then maybe let's consider some of the storms of our own life and see what we can learn from this as well. Because you know, the scripture oftentimes when it makes references to storms, they, they parallel with storms of life. The psalmist writes about this in Psalm 46, we see this one of many times in the scripture that a storm is akin to a storm of life. But Psalm 46, the psalmist says, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. I like that. It means he is a present, present help in trouble. It means that God is there in ways that you could not imagine. He is a present, present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Look, here comes a storm. Though the earth give way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. The psalmist points a picture of a storm, but sends out the reminder that in the midst of the storm, God is with us. He is a present, present help, a very present help in times of trouble. What we learn here is that the greater the storm, the greater the rescue. The greater the storm, the greater the story. And that's what we see taking place in the lives of the disciples that day with Jesus. They got a story that day, they got a lesson that day, they got a view of God that day that they never considered and never would have learned had they not been out on a boat in a storm to see Jesus in this 
new way. A couple of things I see in this story. The first thing is we see a total spoiler alert right from the beginning. Right in the beginning in verse 35, it says, and on that day when evening had come, Jesus said to them, let us cross on over to the other side. Let us go to the other side. Jesus lays out the destination before the journey. They didn't know what the journey would hold for them. And in the end of the day, it really doesn't matter what took place on the journey because Jesus said, we're getting on over to the other side. What should have been very clear is whatever happens during the journey, there is no need to fear. There's no need to worry for whether you're gonna make it or not. If Jesus said, let's get on over to the other side, it's not like Jesus said, hey, let's give it a shot. Some people make it, some people don't. No promises, right? He didn't say that, right? He didn't say, we're gonna try and get on over to the other side. Like if the stars line up, maybe if it's our day, you know, cross your finger. No, no, Jesus said, we're going on over to the other side. And when Jesus says that we're going on over to the other side, I don't care if the water is gone, the boat is gone, whatever is going on, Jesus is going to get us over to the other side. Isn't that what Jonah learned? Right, when God wants to get you someplace, if he has to send a big fish to transport you to where God wants you to be, he is going to get you on over to the other side. And if there's one thing that the disciples should have really held on to is those words of Jesus before he fell asleep, they were getting on over to the other side. You see, what's critically important is to get an understanding of God's good plan for your life. God's got a plan for your life and he's going to get you on over to the other side. I know the storms will come. I know the winds will blow. I know the, the, the waves will pound on the shore of your life, but I want you to know that Jesus is going to get you over to the other side. The good heart of your father and his love towards you is critical for us to embrace because it helps us to be remind, reminded that he's committed to getting us on over to the other side. Romans chapter eight and verse 28 says, and we know that all things work together for the good, for those who love God and are called according to his purposes. I don't know what all that's mixed up in those all things, but you know what, it's not all good things. We know all things, the good, the bad, the ugly, whatever comes our way, God will work it for our good because he is a good, good father who loves you and is committed to getting you over to the other side. He's got plans for you. Isn't that what he told Jeremiah? For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. He says, then you'll go and you'll call to me and I'll hear you and you'll search for me and you'll find me when you search for me with all of your heart. We've got to get a proper glimpse of God's heart towards us. His will towards you is good. His plans towards you are good and he's going to get you over to the other side even when the storm begins to rock the boat of your life. We need to remember that he is committed to getting you over to the other side. You know what else, what I also find interesting here is that while the disciples trusted Jesus, they only trusted him to the degree that made sense to all of them. They trusted Jesus with their head, but not fully with their hearts. 
And here's what I mean by that. I mean, we don't know the extent of the fisherman experience that each of the disciples had. We know that Peter and Andrew, they were, they were fishermen, right? They, they knew the seas. They, they were able to you know, know just by looking at the water if a, if a storm was coming. We don't know if everybody else felt the same way or had the same kind of experience, but, but I'm sure that when Jesus said to the disciples, let's get on over to the other side, I'm sure that, 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 that these disciples who had experienced on the waters kind of thought to themselves, I don't think it's necessarily the best time for a three-hour tour. How many remember Gilligan's Island? How many have no idea what Gilligan's Island is? Yes, God bless your hearts. Google it, it's pretty fun. So, but see, for these guys, they, they recognize that, that a storm can happen in any moment. And I'm sure that as the storm started to blow in, they began to ask themselves the question, Jesus, why now? Why did you send me into a storm? Maybe you've asked that question yourself. Jesus, why would you allow me to go through this thing? this season in my life. Jesus, the winds are blowing and the rain is pounding and my boat is, seems like it's filling up with water. Why would you send me out onto the water? Why would you allow me to go through this season of my life, this season where, God, I feel so small. Do you ever get out of there on a boat and you realize no matter how big a boat you're on, it's not that big in contrast to all the rest of the surrounding water of you? Lord, I feel so small in this storm. Lord, I feel so vulnerable in this place. What an unusual direction that Jesus gives to his disciples. Go get in a boat and let's go on over to the other side just before this storm, Jesus decides it's a good day for a boat ride. Get into the boat. Let's get on over to the other side. Can I tell you, there have been times that I have, I have questioned the things that God has allowed to, happen into, allowed to happen in my life. Times I've wondered and thought, God, why? Why did you stop that or allow that or bring this or, or, or remove that? And in those, in those, it's in those seasons that, that you just start to wonder and you get to the core of what you believe in, and, and, and you really kind of get to that, poise, that place where you gotta say, you know what, God, I don't understand it. It doesn't make any sense to me, but I know that you, you're good. And if I don't understand your ways, I'm going to embrace your heart because your heart towards me is good. And you'll never bring me down a path that your grace can't keep me. Jesus brought his disciples in an unusual direction. But not only does Jesus bring them down in an unusual direction, he also gives his disciples an unusual display of his presence. Remember we were reading in Psalm 46 when the, when the storm 
pounds and the waters roar. He said he, he is a very present help. He's a present, present help in times of trouble. The, the psalmist comforted himself with the fact that no matter how big the storm gets, God, you are present in a way that is more present than the storm around me. The storm may be present, but you are present, present. A present help in times of trouble. but not so much for the disciples that day. That wasn't their experience. Because as the storms were brewing and the wind was pounding and the water started making its way into the boat and the disciples are freaking out, Jesus is asleep at the stern. And it wasn't like they were on this big cruise liner, right? They were probably on like one of those little silly lily boats like I rented many years back. It wasn't like they had to go out of their way to see Jesus asleep. He was right there. He was feeling the same wind, getting the same water on his feet. And here they are, and they are freaking out. And Jesus is asleep in the boat. Kind of just as a side note, don't people like that drive you crazy? Right, it's like, like everything the world could be coming down all around them and they're just like, <laughs> not a care in the world, just sleeping away. You wake up, did you hear that storm? What storm? I, I didn't, the whole left half of the house is gone. You didn't even realize the kids are drifted away down the street. You didn't notice you slept like a baby through it. This is what they're experiencing. Jesus is asleep in the storm. What's interesting is that, that while Jesus was there, Jesus wasn't there the way the disciples wanted him to be there. Jesus was present, but, but Jesus wasn't present the way the disciples thought he should be present. He didn't appear to be that present, present help in time of trouble. No, instead Jesus was there, but he was sleeping. You ever feel like that? You almost feel bad saying it out loud because you, you don't wanna verbalize lack of faith or questioning the goodness of God, but you, if you really, if you can get away with it, you'd almost like, you almost wish to say, God, I know you're there, but it sure doesn't feel like it. Jesus, I, I know you're there. I know you, you, you said you'll never leave me and you'll never forsake me. I get that. I believe that up here, but I'm having a real hard time reconciling what I'm feeling on the inside because Jesus, if I got real honest, you're not there the way I think you should be there. And what we mean by that is Jesus taking us out of the storm. When we think Jesus should take us out of the storm. That's what they were thinking. Looking at Jesus, hearing the wind, feeling the beating of the rain, bailing out the boat as best they can. And Jesus always has a flair for the, for the dramatic. I, I, I'm sure Jesus was not just asleep, but he was kind of like, out. <laughs> Snoring and louder than the thundering, right? Letting the, making a point. 
right? Here's Jesus. He is asleep on the boat. And I'm sure, I'm sure it was getting really loud on the boat. I mean, chaos is starting to happen, right? The disciples are realizing, hey, we're in, we're in some trouble here. And now they're bailing out the boat. And I'm sure they were making all kinds of noise, hoping to accidentally wake Jesus up. Have you ever done that? You know, you don't want to wake the person up, but you're going to slam doors and cabinets and drop things and, you know, oh, is that you? you know, oh, oh I'm, did I wake you up? I'm, I'm really sorry. I'm sure the disciples were doing everything they possibly can to maybe accidentally waken Jesus up. How in the world can he still be sleeping? It's a great picture that God doesn't get rattled in the storm. Jesus sleeps because Jesus is bigger than the storm. Jesus said, we're getting on over to the other side. All the other stuff was just the details. And Jesus is at peace in the midst of the storm. He never worries. He never feels out of control. But instead, he's in the peace in the midst of it. I find that very encouraging, especially when I consider the words of Jesus in John chapter 14 as he looks to his disciples and he said, peace I leave with you. And he says, my peace I give to you. See now, I can never sleep in a storm. Yes, you can. Peace I leave with you. My peace, the kind of peace that can sleep in a storm. That kind of peace I give it to you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give, to, give it to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. It's a, re, it's a reminder that, that if we will just focus on the fact that he is bigger than the storm, we can experience the peace that Jesus had in the midst of the storm. Jesus was there with the disciples, which is probably, probably why they felt comfortable getting in the boat in the first place. I mean, they're probably thinking, it looks like it's a storm brewing. You, you know what? Hey, if, if, if he's coming with us, we're good to go. It's not like, I don't know, it's not like he's gonna go to sleep or anything. And so they head on out. And he is there. But he wasn't there the way they felt he should have been there. And water, the cares, the fears, the storm, the crisis started ending up in their boat. And what started to happen is what the water that they saw in the boat started to eclipse their vision of who was in the boat. And they had just about all they can have. Their concern developed into full-fledged horror as they finally revealed what was going on in the inside and they shouted out, Teacher, don't you care that we're about to perish? You see what just took place right there? Do you see how they allowed their fear to communicate to them that Jesus doesn't care? 
You know, we do that sometimes. We go through a season of difficulty, a season of challenge. Things come in our lives and we ask and we pray, God take it away, but he doesn't. And we conclude, just like the disciples did, that Jesus doesn't care. Do you see how the water in the boat revealed what was on the inside of the disciples? You see, what was inside the disciples would have never come out if the water in the boat didn't bring it out. Because as the water came in the boat, what was on the inside started to emerge. And instead of, great, instead of getting great confidence of who was in the boat with them, they allowed fear to dictate their reality. Can I tell you the church today has some water getting in the boat. Our world is in the midst of a storm, isn't it? And as the winds blow and the politics come in and the racism comes in and the hatred comes in and the fear comes in and the vaccine and the no vaccine and the yes vaccine and the mask and the no mask and all these things get thrown into our boat. We need to be really careful that we don't start focusing on what's getting poured into our boat, that it eclipses who's in the boat with us. Listen, you need to have an opinion. This is a time where you need to really exercise as much wisdom and prayer as you possibly can and land on whatever decisions you need to make as, as, as an individual and not speak down or accuse or define other people whether they, by whether they agree with you or not. There is far too much division over issues that are not going to be around a million years from tonight, but one thing that will be around is me, you, and Jesus. The kingdom of God, you see, we are gonna get over to the other side and along the way, the boat is starting to fill up with water, church, and we need to be really careful that we don't allow the destination to be eclipsed by what's happening in the journey. This place is not our home. We're pilgrims passing through. We're not supposed to be dragged into this, but so much energy is being spent bailing the boat, getting rid of the politics, addressing this, uh, going after that, accusing this person. I love that one, I hate that Stop it. We've got a destination that we're going towards. We've got a mission as believers in Jesus Christ to go and make disciples. And in the wisdom of God, you and I were born for such a time as this. For you and me were placed in this place for such a time to influence the world around us. Not to be bailing the fears and worries of the world out of our boat, but to rise above the storm and celebrate who's in the boat with us. You see, fear has a way of revealing the maturity of our faith. I see Christians saying things and posting things and reacting to things, and I think to myself, what are you doing? That's not who we are. But the pressures of life, the water coming into the boat, it, it reveals the maturity of our faith. And you say, well, pastor, that's really offensive. I didn't say that, Jesus did. He said, look, why are you so afraid? 
Have you so little faith? Have you so little faith? You see, it's important to understand that Jesus is the one who put them in the boat. Jesus is the one who knew a storm was coming. Jesus is the one who chose to go to sleep. Jesus is aware of what was going on inside of them. You see, the storm was merely a tool to reveal what was going on inside of them. Now let's just pause right there for a moment. Do you know that difficult times, times such as this, can be one of the greatest resources for you and I to determine where we are in our spiritual maturity? Yeah, we say we're pilgrims passing through. We say that our trust is in God. We say that we're living for the kingdom of God and not the kingdom of the world until something comes in and rocks our boat, until the water starts to come in and we think, whoa, wait a minute, now I'm being inconvenienced. Tell that to our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan. The cream's coming to the crop. The top is the church our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan are standing strong in their faith in the midst of difficult times and here we are bailing water out of the boat failing to recognize who's in the boat with us and where we're going and this can be the season of our greatest opportunity or our greatest distraction what are we going to focus on who's in the boat or what's getting into the boat. The disciples would have not realized that they needed to grow in that area unless they got some water in the boat. Jesus, their rabbi, right? They were his disciples. He was their teacher. How am I going to teach them what I know is going on in their hearts? I know. I'm gonna put them in a boat and I'm gonna put them in the midst of a storm and I'm gonna to go to sleep and I'm gonna let come out of them the very thing that I wanna grow in their lives because I love them and I'm committed to them. And it's not that God gets his kicks out of watching us squirm but he will place you and I in situations. He will allow some water to get into the boat just like he did with his disciples to show us his power to deliver us, his power to silence a storm. I mean, look what happens, right? They're scared to death. I mean, they, they realize, all right, this is no ordinary storm. I mean, these are seasoned men. This isn't a bunch of 15-year-olds that are out there chunking up ham sandwiches. These are men that are out there, people who are familiar with the water. They're scared. It's dark. The storm is blowing. The boat of their lives is filling up with water. They are completely out of control, and they conclude they are about to die. Teacher, don't you care that we're about to die? And he woke. School lesson's over. And he rebukes the wind. And he says to the sea, Peace, be still. 
and everything becomes calm. And the winds subside. And that great storm that we read about in verse 37 becomes a great calm in verse 39 at the utterance of his voice. Because the bigger the storm, the bigger the victory. The bigger the storm, the bigger the victory. Jesus demonstrates his power over the storm. But here's the thing. The disciples would have never known that Jesus had the power to calm a storm unless they get out in a boat in a storm and realized that God is bigger, that God is greater, that they had nothing to fear because Jesus was with them in the boat. And here's the big question. What storm do you find yourself in today? Has the water from the outside made its way into your boat? How much energy and time are you spending bailing out the lies and the fears and the insecurities and the hurts and the distractions and the divisions and all these other things that are landing in the boat of our life and it's causing an eclipse of who's in the boat with us. Storms will come. And the water's gonna get in your boat. What do you do when water gets into your boat? Five things I wanna give you and then I'm gonna close with that. How do you respond? What do you do when water gets in your boat? Number one, Focus on who's in the boat, not on the water coming into the boat. Focus who's already in your boat, not the water coming into your boat. As I said before, more energy gets spent on bailing out the water than seeking Jesus. More time and energy is being spent going down these these. these these rabbit trails of, of conspiracy theories and, and, and you know, I mean, let, let's, I mean, let's just get it all out there. There's a whole host of distractions that we can spend all day trying to figure out what's really going on in the world around us. And you know what? You will never know. But all the time, it's becoming a distraction from seeking the one who's in the boat. Hey, I'm not saying learn everything you possibly can. I'm not saying don't have an opinion. I'm not saying to be an ostrich and put your head in the sand. But the moment that you're bailing out the boat gets in the way of who's in the boat, the moment that you start discrediting your brothers and sisters in Christ because they disagree with you, you're taking on too much water. And we need to keep our focus on Jesus. Focus on who's in the boat, not the water come into your boat. Number two, what do you do when water gets into your boat? Number two, realize the Holy Spirit is teaching you, teaching you something about God and yourself that you never would have learned any other way. I mean, the disciples would have never come to realize that Jesus was able to calm a storm unless they were in the midst of it. 
And I don't know what storm you may be in right now, but I can guarantee you this. If you'll hold on to Jesus, you'll come out the other side with a clearer view of God and a clearer view of yourself. Look what the disciple says. The disciples are like, who is this? We've walked with him. We've seen miracles. We've heard teaching, but who is this that even the winds and the seas obey him? Even creation bows the knee at the utterance of his voice. They would have never come to that understanding hadn't the love of Jesus put him out into a storm. And so when you find yourself in a storm and water is starting to get into your boat, be on the lookout for what the Holy Spirit might be teaching you about God and yourself. Don't miss out on a teachable moment. Some of the greatest lessons come out of the hardest conflict. What do you do when water gets in your boat, number three? Don't stress out over things you have no control over. Don't stress out over things you have no control over. Listen, if, if Jesus isn't worried, why should you be? You say, well, I mean, come on, that sounds really good, but I mean, he's Jesus. He's a prince of peace, yes. But he's also the one who said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. And you know, I've had to fight for that peace. I've had to wrestle. I've had to go into full-blown denial on how I feel about a situation to let go of that, that fears that control me so I could walk in the peace that rises above the storm. I'm not gonna lose peace over areas that I can't control. Don't stress out. My peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Number four, when water gets in your boat, remember that you're gonna get on over to the other side. Jesus will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Paul said, I'm confident of this very thing that he who began to work in you, he'll complete it unto the day of Jesus Christ. He's going to finish what he started in your life. Don't allow the distractions of life cause you to forget that there's a destination that you're heading towards. Remember that you're gonna get over to the other side. And then last but certainly not least, when water gets into your boat, your boat, remember, storms don't last forever. They may feel like they last forever sometimes, but storms don't last forever. Don't get so caught up in the journey that you forget the destination. Don't get so caught up in the, in the journey and all of the distractions that it causes you to forget the destination you're gonna get on over to the other side. He's going to complete that work. That's what the psalmist in Psalm 46, that same one who declared as the way that God is our refuge and our strength, that present help in times of trouble. He paints this picture of the storm and the waves and the mountains collapsing. He ends that verse by saying, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted 
in all the earth. I don't know all that's going on in the world around you and me. I don't know where we line up eschatologically. I do know that God is at work in our midst. There certainly seems to be a lot that God's doing in the background to prepare for his coming. And I am with great expectation awaiting for the rapture of the church. In a moment and in a twinkling of an eye, it could happen at any moment. But until that time happens, I'm not going to spend my day bailing the water out of my boat. I'm going to be looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith, moving in a direction, staying on mission, not allowing anything to distract me from what God has called me to do until that day where I stand before him and he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you are the great storm calmer. But Lord, before you calm the storms, you teach us. You reveal to us who you are in the midst of it. You reveal to us how we are to navigate, how we are to trust you and grow in the midst of it. And I pray, Lord, for my brothers and sisters that are here as well as those who are watching online or on TV, I pray, Lord, you know the storm that each person finds himself in the midst of. I pray, Lord, that you'd give great grace to each and every one. As they look unto you as their great storm calmer, I pray that they would walk in that peace that surpasses all understanding that very peace that you've given to us, a peace that causes the, the ship of our life to rise above the storm and to focus upon you. May we be found faithful in this season. May our eyes be fixed on you. In Christ's name we pray, amen.